Ultralax, the YouTube channel. We're, we're here at, <laughs> at Indian Ladder Farm Cidery and Brewery. I am Jeff from EQX. Uh, we're going to have a fun one today. This might this might turn into two episodes. It's going to be so ridiculous, I we feel like. we got some special guests. We part do. One, uh, part two. We would love to introduce. This is uh, Dieter, Scott, and Alex, who you know from previous episodes. We've got our executive producer over here. Uh, have we come up with a new nickname for our executive uh, producer? Julio. Julio, fantastic Julio. having you on the on the sound check here. And those guest voices that you hear over there, uh, we got Chris. <laughs> the screaming goats got her tongue. <laughs> and, and Jeff. Yes, that's that welcome, correct. Yes. Welcome to Agricultural Acts. Uh, I, I imagine you're going to contribute not only educationally during this episode. <laughs> that shrug even came through just in audio. <laughs> we, we just brought a lot of beer. That was our contribution. So. Great. Where, well, are guys, well, where are you guys from? Let's yeah. hear it. Like, like, Shout it out. Like... I guess that's a loaded question. Like, where are we from? <laughs> Who you representing now? up in oh, okay. uh, up in agricultural acts? What, that's what's what's you represent? That's wow. a better question. So, um, we are uh, out of Fonda, New York. We are uh, actually we're a transplant from Colorado, Adam Brewing Company, and we just uh, closed up the brewery in Colorado and moved it here to upstate New York um, almost ten months ago. Yes. And so we are. Um, Changing the name a little bit will be Adam Farm and Fermentation because we are going to be uh, trying to become a full-on farm brewery. Um, but that's where we're. Uh, that's who uh, we are. That's the do short. Do you have ties to this area, or were you yeah. like? Because I moved here from Colorado as well about ten years ago, and I just kind of threw a dart at the map. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's a great question when you ask where we're. Sorry, that's a great question when you ask where we're from. I'm originally from Buffalo, New York. Um, and his family is originally from Prattsville, New okay. York. So um, where we're from is from New York. We just ended up making a full circle um, over so many years. All right. Well, welcome to the area, Fonda, New York. No relation to Peter, I don't think, right? Does Peter Fonda have any ties to uh, that they area? Are, they, actually, the Fonda family is related. This is why we have Dieter, oh, right? Uh, Dieter knows everything. He knows all, it, that, that's true story. It is a again, wealth of knowledge. It is absolutely true. As you've come to know uh, by listening to previous episodes, and if you haven't, please, that uh, you don't need to listen in any particular order, but listen to the Agricultural Acts. We don't often know if Dieter is uh, being factual or just fun. Uh, is it pretty one of much the Douglases just, uh, from Fonda? Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Sorry. Amsterdam. 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 That's how you say it Obviously up here. Amsterdam. Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it must, uh, it not really, I mean, obviously east of Denver, a lot of farm area, but in Denver, tough to do a farm brewery. So you, right. you got all the space you need in Peter Fonda. Right, exactly. And that, <laughs> that, was, a, that was a big factor with making the move here is, um, you know, our brewery in Colorado we had for six years. And from the years before we even opened that the idea was ultimately to have space to grow and, you know, grow produce, uh, you know, fruit, berries, hops, whatever. And that was always the long-term goal. But the property and uh, cost of living, everything in Colorado over the last six to eight years have just skyrocketed. And so if you can even find farmland in Colorado anymore, it's astronomical. Um, <clears throat> just down the road from where we were at, there was a six-acre farm that was for sale, and they wanted um, six and a half million dollars for it. So it just wasn't going to happen there. Um, yeah. And so we kind of started looking back this way. Um, we, were, we were visiting here in 2019. Both of us hadn't been back in a long time. Kind of forgot um, 
how beautiful upstate New York was and all that it had to offer uh, in the farming realm. And when you come from the, the arid climate out there, yeah. the greenery here, right? Just oh, we were blown away. We kept making comments about how it reminded us of Ireland and stuff like that because mm. it was so green. I mean, you know, even the, the snow just melted and there's green grass under it already. So It's, it's still brown, though. No, that's not, that's not brown. You got to go to Colorado and see brown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what, so uh, I want to pick back up right where you were. But did you sell the brewery in Denver or just no, no, no. shut no, it just down? Just shut it down. Yep. Just shut it down. Shut it down. And brought all the beer, obviously, brought right? As, brought as much as we could. No, with us, you yeah. cannot bring beer across state lines. That's illegal. What? Yeah, it's uh, called bootlegging. What? You ever seen Smokey and the Bandit? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he has. <laughs> yeah, I have. But <laughs> I was gonna say I have it on DVD. I just, I'm, I'm just thinking because I just crossed state lines. So no, I didn't bring any beer across state lines. Yeah, all right. Back, back to it, Jeff and Chris. Yeah, I mean you can't. I mean from a brewery. You know, personally, you can of course drive beer across state lines, but from a brewery standpoint, no, you can't legally bring your own beer from one state to the other. There's a lot of laws involved in that, and the feds would like to be aware of that taking place. So, um, yeah, so, but we loaded up all the, uh, you know, all the equipment that we could um, to bring with us, and we are in the process of building right now. Very cool. Yep. Um, but we hope uh, we hope we can help you in any way, shape, or form. So the the goal of this episode of Agricultural Acts is to talk about wild fermentation. So this makes perfect sense that you would you would be our guest. Yep. Um, now, do we want to dive right into that, or do we want to just uh, BS for a while? Because I, you know, we do have this screaming goat here. We do. <laughs> yeah. And along with the screaming go, yeah, you know, you know, I like to play games, right? I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, are we, playing, are we playing games now? Yeah, uh, just okay. a quick break for a game. It's it's a trivia, it's a trivia game. Uh, this book came along with the screaming goats. You got you got this book too with your screaming goat. Sorry, so you can't participate back there because you know all the. We answers. might we might be at an advantage because we do have goats on our farm. All right. So. Well, we'll see how you're raising those okay, goats. We'll see. <laughs> see if you have a license here. Um, okay, I think this is a question regarding the eye of the goat. <laughs> it's the Breaking eye the song. The yeah, there we go. All right. It wasn't Survivor, was it? <laughs> this is a long question. In the animal kingdom, goats aren't exactly number one in the food chain. There are a lot of hungry animals that prey on them. But one of the great built-in survival mechanisms a goat has is its keen night vision, great depth, and peripheral vision, uh, which is all thanks to its rectangular poople. <laughs> Pooples. I had a rectangular poople once. That's wild. I drank a lot. It was spontaneous drinking, and yeah, yeah I had a rectangular yeah. poople. We're staying, with, we're staying with the spontaneous theme. You see that? Yes, <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. I thought he said it was a rectangular poop hole. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which wombats? If you didn't well, yeah, know, wombats talk about a, do yeah. a poop cubes. It's like mm -hmm. a hybrid wombat yeah. goat. Yeah. We, fortunately, we never get off on a tangent. No, no, and never. We did and just speaking of wombats, we got to get them here for a concert. But anyway, back to the question. <laughs> are they from Australia? Uh, Probably yeah, Nashville. Yeah, yeah, no, I think they are. I think they oh, are. I'm not. Um, but anyway, the goat, they can scout their surroundings from 320 to 340 degrees in one glance. Humans, only 160 to 210 degrees. So, so with that fun fact, the, <laughs> so question, the question is, <laughs> how, how, so how high, many eyes do you have? How high can a goat jump? Ooh. Depends on the breed of goat. 10, 5, 15, or 12 feet. 
Depends on the breed of the goat. I'm going to say five. 15 or 12. Are we talking a milking goat or a pig goat? Right, it probably does depend, right? But does the the goat have moon boots? In this case, it's a screaming goat. Do they get a running oh, start, wow. or is it just stationary? I don't, I don't stationary. think 10, 5, or 15. If it's a screaming, yeah, I think I could throw 10. that thing or 15 12. feet. I'm going to go 10. 10. Scotty, you said 5. Jeff? Five. I'm going to go with uh, 10. 10. Yeah. Dieter? 12. 12. Alex? Uh, this creek beer tastes amazing. <laughs> That's correct. That's actually the oh, correct good answer. Job. Yeah. 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 Right. Cheers. Right. I'll drink right. to that. Good job. Clinky, 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 good job. So, what's the story behind this creek beer? How high could the jump? Is this your beer? Yes, it is. All right, great. This is absolutely phenomenal. Seriously. Five. It's five. Five feet. Hells yeah. All right, so we're enjoying a... That'd be crazy if it could jump 12 feet. You win a glass of creek. Oh, hells yeah. Creek beer, spelled K-R-I-E-K. Which is how I always spell it anyway. Back where I'm from in western Pennsylvania, born and raised... Crick. 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 Yes. Uh, Adam Brewing Company. Cherries on the label. Tell us everything about it. <laughs> Spill your guts. Spill my guts? Yeah. Let's see here. What do Lay I want to what, what tell you? Um, well, it has cherries. Yeah, there's cherries in there. <laughs> um, real cherries. We didn't use, you know, we didn't use any fake uh, flavoring or gummy bears or anything ridiculous like that. Mm. So. Is that they really do use oh, gummy absolutely. bears, some of people? Of course. For the flavoring? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, it's kind of no ridiculous. artificial color. No artificial either, color, which is why right. if you were looking, you would see that there is no bright red. We didn't put any hibiscus or anything like that to give it that bright red color. Any color that you see, and it is from natural. Yep. So it's a um, the base beer is a golden sour that um, we barrel aged for a year. Uh, actually, this one was probably closer to 14, 15 months, and then from there. Uh, we took that beer and we did about three pounds per gallon of Montmorency cherries. Uh, <clears throat> put them in a custom-built punch-down vessel, which uh, if anybody doesn't know what a punch-down is, it comes from the wine world, where you um, actively push the fruit down on a typically a daily, if not multiple times a day, you push the fruit back down into the liquid. So it helps with the extraction of color and flavor. And, uh, Does it hold it down there? No, no, you just have okay, like, you just, you just have a tool that's got basically like a big flat disc on it or something that you're just kind of, you're almost like stirring it, okay. but you're gently pushing the fruit back down in there because otherwise it all just floats to the top. And anything that's breaking the surface, uh, you know, you're not really getting anything out of that. So you, you do the punch down and push it back in there. So, so we took the base beer, uh, put it in a punch down vessel, three pounds per gallon of cherries, uh, punch down twice a day. Uh, for about two weeks, kind of just eyeballed it and tasted as we went. Then uh, transferred the beer back into barrels, uh, let it set for another six months. Then uh, took that out and packaged it up, uh, bottle conditioning. Um, and now you got what you got. And that's been in the bottle now for, what, year? A little over. Probably a little, little over, over a year. year. That okay. it's well, been that, in the bottle that holds up real well. So. It's fantastic. You think this was just put in that bottle yesterday? It's it's tastes super <clears throat> fresh. It, it so much labor into this, and watch how quick I I just right? destroy it. Right, down the down the all, hatch, yeah. all that work. <laughs> yeah, so this you know all that work and this flavor. So this is a solid uh, you know like probably two two point five on untapped. So 
Because it doesn't have, because it doesn't, because it doesn't have, uh, you know, you know, because there's no marshmallows or, yeah, right. you know, anything well, like that in it. Because there's no gummy bears. No, in there, that's right? why. Yeah. <laughs> if I use, if I had used cherry gummy bears, this would be a fact. So. I haven't personally asked you this question, but like, what you're saying, uh, what made you want to get into this style of beer making, aside from the traditional style or like, you know, the the commercial style where everybody's paying the bills with. The hype beers, like, why are you sticking to your ribs with this kind of beer making? Um, early on in my, you know, when I first started drinking, um, you know, craft beers or non, you know, macro produced beers, uh, I was pretty much drinking anything that I could find that was coming out of Belgium. And <clears throat> early on when I started home brewing, I, you know, I think like anybody else that starts brewing, I started with like an amber ale or something like that. And quickly you realize that that was boring as shit to brew amber ales and anything in that realm. Um, and I immediately went into brewing Belgian beers, quads and, you know, triple anything I could. And then that just morphed into uh, trying to, you know, and this is back in the early 2000s, um, trying to figure out how to get my hands on, you know, any kind of mixed cultures, um, uh, just learning what I could. Then when we moved to Colorado, uh, I managed to get, uh, or was lucky enough, I guess, to be, get involved in a homebrew club there that um, had a bunch of guys that felt the same way. So we started a barrel program in the homebrew club. And uh, at one point we had about 36 barrels going in the homebrew club. And so that was really when it, you know, uh, gave me a chance to start fine tuning, what I, or not fine tuning, but like growing my knowledge. <clears throat> um, we'd also become really good friends with um, some folks at Avery, nice. uh, Avery Brewing, and so um, they opened their doors to us to, you know, to start learning things. Um, and then it just kind of went from there, and then when we started looking at yeast, um, this is when Chris jumped in, so... Well, I think a good answer to that, too, though, is the reason why we stuck with continuing to make the beers that we make and not jumping on to making... You know, the that is because we, right, is because we made beers that we enjoy. Right. right um, sure. We we really enjoy these beers. Um, so as we, do I. We, as what we always joked as is that <laughs> when we start a brewery, that um, if we went belly up, <laughs> we would have a lot of beer that we really like to drink. Right. So I love it. so That's if there great. was if we never sold a bottle of beer, we would have cases and cases of beer that we enjoy drinking. Right. So right. that was always our that was always yeah. our joke. Yeah. So that always I mean that always drove it was just the passion behind brewing what we what we really enjoy. What enjoyed. we enjoy drinking. You know, I don't really enjoy. I mean, I I don't mind them, but I don't enjoy drinking IPAs and all that type of stuff so it wouldn't be something that I'd be interested in brewing because I think when you're brewing something that you're passionate about I think it shows in the end product Whoa. versus just paying the bills with something and it definitely shows because you guys are here at the podcast right now and like you know we didn't just choose some random people we we see what you guys are doing and we we really value that and that embodies like you know something that we're trying to be about and so it's like it's great to have you here and kind of riff about you know what you guys are doing and what we're doing Right. So that's how totally did this connection right come between Indian Ladder Farms and, and Adam Brewing? How did it come about? <laughs> Actually, a mutual friend introduced yep. us. Um, Miguel, uh, if you're out there, Miguel. Hey, Miguel. Yep. Hey, Miguel. Um, uh, beer trucker. Yep, the if beer trucker. If you're looking for him out there in the world of uh, Facebook and Instagram, uh, so he's uh, he's connected a lot of people over the years, um, and uh, he knew that these guys were moving to this area, and we'd been friends with Miguel for a number of years, and uh, so last fall he said, "You guys need to meet." 
Nice. So Beer here we are. Tracker. Beer yep. tracker. And that's literally what Miguel does is just connect people. He, that's one of the things he does. He mainly, uh, you know, does a lot of photography, um, goes to breweries. Um, he's does promoting. You know, he gets hired by breweries to uh, help uh, with their, um, you know, websites and so on. Nice. I love it. Yep. All right. So uh, on my drive here, I came up with, I want to learn about fermentation, wild fermentation. And this is going to be your entire process. This is what Indian Ladder Farms says. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's your life. Most of it, right? It, we we are involved in fermentation on a lot of levels. <laughs> yes. We're going to let Peter talk about this. So, uh, are in the dojo now. If you've never listened to Agricultural Acts, it's kind of, uh, you know, uh, as the host, uh, I need it explained to me like I'm a two-year-old. Uh, or is the same five-year-old? But explain it to me like I'm a two-year-old is gonna, how I need to we'll learn let these Scott things. Scott start this, but, you know, you should never look at it that way. It's like, it, you know, it's... For example, like when Laurie was writing the hop book, you know, it's like people just assume that you know things. Right. And you I mean, should never. I feel like I should know what the and, heck and fermentation are, is. Well, and people are always I like, don't. you say something to them, and they're like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And you look at they have a blank look. You, you know they don't know. <laughs> but, they're <laughs> afraid, but, they're, but they're afraid to ask. And, you know, and that's part of what this well, podcast is supposed to be about. Right. I'm not is afraid. To, is to tell people, you know, just the basic stuff. Yeah. You know, a lot of people who are listening to this are way more advanced, but a lot aren't. So fermentation, uh, and let's just take wild fermentation away from it. What is fermentation? And then we'll talk about the difference between wild and non. So fermentation is the... Scotty Veltman, everybody. Hi. Woo! Hey, hey, everybody. Thank you. Hey, you in the back. Knock it off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, fermentation is... Uh, it, honestly, I think it's probably the uh, greatest discovery in, uh, in, in mankind. First fire, and then fermentation. If you didn't have fermentation of uh, having these tiny little organisms convert sugar into alcohol or any other wonderful thing, you wouldn't have cheese, you wouldn't have sauerkraut, you wouldn't have beer, you wouldn't have cider, you wouldn't have wine. And at that point, what else is there to live for? You wouldn't have agriculture. Yep. That's right. And then you wouldn't have agricultural acts. So, episode yes. seven. Dave, you brought that right around. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, right? <laughs> That's why you're here. So that, was like a, that was like a big roundabout way for him to like market himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Adam Brewing, adambrewing.com. ILFCB, right? Is it still, is that the website still? Adam so, Brewing. Yeah, com. still, yeah. All right, cool. Adam Brewing. ILFCB.com. Um, all right, so without fermentation, life sucks. Yep. It doesn't even exist. That no. is true. Well, I'd be out of a job. So, uh, obviously, it started as wild fermentation. That's true. We, we couldn't assume that the person who uh, discovered and built fire for the first time was also like, oh, yeah, watch this, hold right. my beer. This is called fermentation. Was it, was, it, was, it the, was it the Samaritans that did something like that? Yeah. Samarians. 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 Not the Samaritans. Oh, not, I, not the good oh, people. Oh, the good they oh, were they, were, they, they ended up being Samaritans. <laughs> yes. Great Samaritans. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, it's the first civilization. So, so, so uh, and, uh, yeah, they... They had their, their pots, uh, they would harvest, they would grow barley and wheat, and they would put them into the pots and kind of like let them dry out, but then rain happens, and when the rain went into that pot, it filled it up full of water, and you basically made a little mash, and then it warmed up, and then the wild microbes that are floating in the air started creating alcohol, and it started bubbling, and I wanted to be that first dude 
You're like, hey, what's that all about? Yeah. Let me take a sip of that. Yeah, can you imagine that? You like you walk out and there's this pot of green that you've been sitting out there forever and it's like bubbling. Oh, it like and shit, yeah, it's and, your fir- and your first thought process <laughs> yeah, is to like, that. I'm going to take a drink out of it. It's yeah. like, oh, let me try that. Um, like, can you? The Samaritans were hungry. <laughs> That's true. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it must I'm have sure. been out of desperation. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah, I'm sure it came more around the fact that and they were like, he, well, we're going to eat it anyway. So, you know. It was like, here, eat this or drink this. Uh, yeah. Does this make you a little bit funny? And then they too? discovered, yeah, that there was a little bit extra. Man, that's the best batch of grain ever. And so, and somebody um, put two and two together. Does anybody have any more of that rotten porridge? We, we maybe we maybe don't. I think underst- Roger down the street has some. Do, they didn't understand scientifically what was going on or anything, right? It was, uh, and this is what oh, fascinates wow. me so much is like. There were, there were no labs, there were no, you send this away and get this tested or all of the research before whatever. It was literally like a moment by moment experimentation in we real time. We may have lost a few along the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a few good men. Great lost point. Good men. Great wild, point. Wild fermentation is the beginning. Yeah. And, you know, everything beyond that is, you know, it's, it's all clinical, but wild fermentation was the very beginning of any type of fermentation. So this is, that was funny what you said, we may have lost a few along the way, but uh, when fermentation goes wrong, that's, that's maybe a whole nother episode, right? I mean. Eh. Well, it's a short, it's a very short episode. <laughs> <laughs> Dump it or die. I mean, so it's not like you eat something either fermented or it didn't. It could be something fermented and did in a bad way. Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, we're still we're still pretty much, you know, sensory is a huge part of it. I mean, in fermentation, I mean, there's a lot to be said. If it smells like it's going to kill you, don't drink it. Okay. You know. All right. <laughs> or wait a few months. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. It, it could. Yeah, it could get better. <laughs> Which yeah. is mind blowing, right there. So and see, it, this this is like the cider world. Yeah, yeah. and, and I, I mean, I say it jokingly, but it's you know, it's still it is a valid statement. Yeah. I mean, we've had we have had that happen before, where you go out and you open up a barrel and you smell it, and you're like, oh, my, I mean, it is just, you're like. I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. But so to me, I think, you know, uh, if I see that in the toilet, I flush it down. You don't get rid of it. You know that maybe... Potentially, potentially. it it could get better. Sometimes it might even be a happy accident. Like, we're like, oh, the barrel's there, and we go to smell it, and it's like, you know, and then... Well, we don't have time to take care of it right now. And then you forget about it. So you mark the barrel. And you then mark like, the barrel you know, and you, you move on with your life and you go on. And then you go, you six t- months later, you go back to it and you, you go, like, oh, yeah, there's that barrel. We, got, we need that barrel. And you open it up and you're like, Ooh. sweet Jesus, that smells awesome. Yep. And then you taste it and you're like, well, holy buckets, that's great. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, that, and I mean, it, and that, it, that happens. That's not like a rare thing. I mean, that happens quite a bit. I mean, you talk to any brewery. Or brewer, who's made you know wild fermentation, spontaneous fermentation, um, uh, you know they all have that same story where they where they've had beer before where a few months in or six months in, it just smelled like hot garbage, baby diaper. I mean, it was just everything you would you know wish on your worst enemy, and for one reason or another, that you know a few months they, later they went back and it was just this most beautiful pristine beer yeah, you've ever had. in the cider world too. We yeah. have tanks, you know, that Alex can attest to this that we was like, uh, well, we don't really have time to dump it, put it in the back. Well, and then we go like, oh, let's go clean that tank. You're like, well, what were we thinking? Yeah. <laughs> this is pretty darn good. Definitely like acidity and alcohol are your friend for 
cleaning up the mess. Sure. And so, yeah, you know, when you have that combination, it, you know, it can be your friend and help clean up that mess. Sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, that's where as a professional, you have to decide if it's like, you know what, this isn't this isn't what the people want. But sometimes that works in a really amazing way. And it just, you know, it makes an amazing product that's so nuanced and so different that it, it does taste good, and it's like... If a year later it still smells like shit, and and, shit. With, and yeah. luckily... <laughs> that's the cutoff, yeah. huh? That's the time. Yeah. Well, 365 no, days. And yeah. luckily yeah. In, the, in the Apple world, tannins also help, with, yeah. you know, cleaning up the mess. Yeah. I was yeah. talking to my friend today, Keller. You guys know Keller. Oh, yeah. uh, he was telling me a story about a, as a child, his family would... It, it, their favorite snack was chopped liver on a cracker, and he was the only child that enjoyed the chopped liver on a cracker he until would. his he until would. his cousin told him it's she slowed down the speech she said it's chopped liver he thought it was just chopped liver like that would <laughs> and so from that moment forward he could never have chopped liver on a cracker again <laughs> having smelled that uh dumpster fire inside the barrel is it impossible to get that out of your head or do you go on to to brew it up or make a cider out of it and enjoy it later can you separate those worlds sure i mean i, I don't think you ever forget that smell yeah. <laughs> you know so you know what you're looking for the next time uh -huh. right? but it, it's i mean it hasn't deterred but, me but you're thinking uh, this is <clears throat> awesome now mm, delicious right. But I know what that was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. But then you appreciate. I think in my in my mind anyway, you kind of appreciate the beauty of what the you know what the yeast and the bacteria did. You know, I mean, we you know we didn't interfere at all. We just let nature take its course, and it cleaned itself up mm -hmm. and made something just amazing. Yeah. You know, and so uh -huh. I, I look at it at that point and appreciate the fact that what the yeast and the bacteria can do. Versus like, oh, I just didn't dump it, or I you know brought it out, and it's like, oh, I'm just going to cover it with hops or. And now that I think about that something. question, I mean, we all know that our delicious food is grown in manure, so right? Uh, you know, delicious, delicious I'm, I'm able to move <laughs> on past yeah. that. Also, it's this is also saying like, you know, what we're talking about. It's not like, um, you know, the mess that's being cleaned up. Whatever we're saying, it's not uh -huh. like the most disgusting thing, and then it just becomes amazing. It's just more like, because you know, we're all like accustomed to the smells and what's going on in the barrel and what's going on with the fermentation. It's just like, it doesn't smell like the way you wanted it to go. And it's a little bit off, but then time helps it become the way you wanted it to be, or it, be, it changes into something even greater. But it's not really, like you're, you know, you're taking, always. you're taking vomit and turning it into champagne, but it's like, you know, it's not that crazy, That's but it's... That's what you're doing in the cidery? It's, no, I'm <laughs> saying we're not yeah. doing that, guy. Not I mean, sometimes that. vomit just no, it's, vomit. it's not like, you know, it's not becoming like a zero out of ten and then it becoming a ten out of ten, but it's like, you know, it's turning an eight out of a ten into a ten out of a ten right. or something right. like that. It's, you know, and it can, it's just making something He's really, you know... It can I do have the Screaming yeah. Goat book. Speaking of Screaming uh, Goat. <laughs> All right, so we have a basic, a basic, very general beginning understanding of wild fermentation. I want to find out what the opposite of that is. But, yeah, let's ask another, another question here from the Screaming Goat book. What is a large group of goats called? Herd. A team, a horde, a pack, a herd. Those are your four choices. A lot of fun. Four. <laughs> a lot of fun. Yeah, going with D, herd. D, herd, four, herd. Herd. I heard, I heard that. It's heard. It's really? I heard yeah. that. So what were you, what were you going to say, Dieter? I, I was going to go with 
the insurrectionist mob. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Agricultural acts here at Indian Ladder Farms. Uh, we've got Dieter, we got Scott, we got Alex, we got Juan, our executive producer. Julio, right? wasn't it? Dorcas? Dorcas. Julio. Dorcas. Julio. Julio. D-O-R-C-A-S. No, actually, Julio left earlier. Dorco. Julio. Julio left. Right. Yeah. And we got... Dorcas we got took over. He had some business Chris to take Chris and Jeff from, uh, from Adam Brewing. Uh, farm and Fermentation. The yes. new, yeah, we're becoming Adam, Adam Farm, farm and, fermentation. and Fermentation. Yes. Adam Farm and Fermentation Brewery? No. No. Adam Farm... Aff. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, down there in Peter Fonda, New York. Yes. That's yes. down there, right? Yep. Yeah. It's over. Over. It's over. And a little down? Just a wee bit down? It's definitely over. It's down and out. up and over. Up and over. Yeah, we little up and over. I think we have to go with up and over. It's like a fly ball. All right. You just throw a fly ball over there. I'll take up and over for 400, Jeff. So the opposite of wild fermentation is what? What's the opposite of wild fermentation? Cultured. Cultured fermentation? Cultured, lab, right? Yes. All right, go for it. <laughs> He's just throwing her right in. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody, Chris has got this one. All right. So actually kind Smoke of uh, <laughs> kind of a cool, we just figured this out last week, which small world, I guess, if you want to say that, or last week or last time we were here, yeah. I should say. Um, I used to work for White Labs um, is where my uh, uh, yeast background mm -hmm. comes from um Do you see that look on my face of what's white labs oh i'm sorry why <laughs> why <laughs> sorry white labs is a uh a yeast company they sell uh cultured yeast grown yeast to breweries uh home brewers that sort of thing so they grow cultured yeast which is the opposite of wild yeast to uh, breweries and home brewers. Um, so I was a sales and technician um, for White Labs. Uh, I went in for a sales position, just a you know customer service girl. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be able to work under uh, Chris White, who is the founder of White Labs, you know, like the grand poobah, if you will. Um, and also under Neva, which was his Padawan. Um, and so I had them, it was a small, super small company when I started. And so I was able to uh, gain all the knowledge that I could absorb from them, asking questions. Um, and what year was this when you started there? When was I there? A while ago. Let's just say a while ago. Okay. Let's just, let's just are, you, are you in the 20-ish year? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. So, um, we'll just say a while ago, but anyways, I was able to... Uh, I was just trying to, because you said back when they were super tiny, so I was trying to kind of timeline. Well, it it sounds like maybe they're huge now. Yeah, they kind is. of exploded overnight, just like the beer industry did itself, right? right? They, they, the, the beer industry went from being a few craft breweries, you know, like you think of Avery and you think of New Belgium, and then overnight it just went... Boom! And on I'm, every corner, there was a, a craft brewery. So. I'm 48, and when I was becoming of legal drinking age, Sam Adams was about as cool and hip, and as and now look where we are. Right. 28 years right. later. Exactly. Christ on crutches. So, and it, it wasn't it wasn't as you know it so wasn't as small as that, but. Yeah. 
he was still pretty pretty small. So anyway, back to the story of Small World. Mm -hmm. um, we were sitting here, and he, we have a unique last name. Um, <laughs> our last name is Porn. So, yeah. so where where, where, <laughs> where does that where does that name come from? That's the uh, that's the after hours podcast. No, okay. no. Is, that, is that part two? Yes. Part two with the porn. P O R N. Like pornography without yeah, the geography. Without the geography. It's the last thing you looked up on the internet before you got here yeah. today. Um, yeah, please go ahead and Google Chris and Jeff porn. <laughs> So we were we were sitting here having beers, and he said, "I used to talk to you on the phone. Yep. I used to order order yeast from you. Awesome. Um, so I used to work for White Labs, and uh, I had uh, Chris White. I've never forgotten the name. Wait, hold yeah. on. <laughs> well, Joe Joe Policino is was a good man. He's like, okay, so I'm gonna turn over all the White Labs stuff over to you. It's like, don't laugh. Her name is Chris Porn. And I was like. <laughs> All right. It's like, she could be a little mean sometimes. <laughs> You're getting like, used no off porn. Like, this is true. Go on the phone with her? No, she was nicest lady I in the world. I think she's perfect, perfectly lovely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long as you're nice to her. Yeah, exactly. yeah if you're nice to me. Yeah, you don't be an asshole. As you get, should be. When you would get brewers that would call you up and say, I started my, I started my brew and my yeast is in here. And I'm like, why would you do something so stupid? It's like, nice. why would you bake a cake without flour? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't well, it's make coming, sense to me. It's on the UPS me. truck. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. on the UPS truck. So anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thank you. That, when I, when I started there, um, I just started as customer service, and I really didn't have that much knowledge about, I liked beer essentially. Um, and I didn't have that much knowledge about yeast. I knew what it was. I'm a science major. Um, okay. I, my background is in science. Um, I, I went to school for biology. Um, I've been a zookeeper my whole life. Um, so I, my Wait, this is not going to be your first guest appearance on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> zookeeper. Hold the phone, You are the no. first zookeeper I've ever met in my life. I'm sorry. You're going to have to get used. Are you serious, Clark? So, <laughs> so, so to add to that. <laughs> what are you talking about? Add to that. <laughs> to, to add to that, she did actually work and travel with the carnival for a while. Oh, I did. my I gosh, Chris Porn. This is amazing. She was the headless woman, beast what? girl. Uh, I was Sheena the ape woman. Get Sheena the ape woman. She I, was a pixie dust spreader on the tilt the world. I was not, but I did bark for the world's largest wombat. And um, anyways, so a, we'll talk about that later. That's so much about square shit. <laughs> so that's a whole separate podcast. Is there acid in this beer? Because I feel like I'm tripping right now with these stories. This is insane. They are but, from Denver. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mushrooms are legal there, right? <laughs> um, yeah, we, we did brew this beer in Denver. Uh, so but anyway, know, I'm sorry. So anyways, we just I, so went I off didn't on know eight. anything about I didn't know anything about yeast per se. I just knew about beer, um, and that's how I got hired. So I was lucky enough to have these two amazing, amazing people at my uh, back and call. And so I read his books front and back and back and forward, and I asked thousands of questions. And you know, I could call him up, and he would answer my call, which is amazing to have. You know, the president of this country. Or country, sorry. It's tremendous. Greatest tremendous use ever. Tremendous, tremendous use. To have the president, the president of this company just be able to answer my, my emails and my phone calls without any hesitation. Um, so I learned a great deal. Um, and then I was able to answer tech calls for brewers. And that was... That was great. And, and belittle them for yeah, being morons. Yes. Oh, my God. You. The stories that I would hear when she was 
Would we make a fun of these guys? Do you, what's the, does one pop to the top of your head? No. Your fondest? No. <laughs> Why does it involve you and it's embarrassing? No. No, okay. I, I was because I, I used to work at a yeast lab as well. Okay. I worked at Lollamond up in Montreal. That's where I did my internship, making dry yeast. Uh -huh. It was awesome. Um, so I knew I knew how to I knew how to deal with. You know the yeast talk. Yeah, like you know your way in and out of the yeast yeah, factory. Talk, talk to tax. It's cool. Just get a little nerdy. Yeah. Super and nerdy. Then, Super and, nerdy. I, and then all you hear is, and they like clean it off the yeah, drool off the phone. <laughs> well, you didn't go from the customer service at, at White East, right? Am I saying, is that what it was White called? Labs. White Labs. So I, I did to, both. I did customer service and I did tech all at the same time and I took yeah. orders. And so I was just on the phone. So I did everything. Okay. So someone would call and say, I want to order, you know, X you know, zero, zero, 001, and then the next guy would call and be like, you stupid B, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then the next one would call and say, I got stalled fermentation. And so I, I, I did it all. Um, and it was fun and it was a great, it was a great experience. Um, and the best part about it is I learned a ton. And you I learned was, all the mistakes that everyone else made without making your own mistakes. I no, think that's important. No, what was great was that I learned mistakes. So I was able to take that home to us and um, well, I think that's what he's saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was able to make mistakes and have fun with those mistakes instead of getting frustrated by the mistakes. Um, so, Punching a hole in the wall. Right. So we like brought that. that home. That's what I do. I was able to take that knowledge home uh, for us and have fun. And so um, that goes into where we were able to grow our own yeast. Um, so we do pitch yeast, so we're not just all wild fermentation. We do pitch yeast, but it's our yeast. We grew it from our own um, fruits, our own, you know, from our own plants on our property. We harvested it ourselves. That's the you house know, culture. Yeah, our house mm -hmm. culture. So we, we went out to our own land, and we grabbed it, and we grew it up, and we fed it, and we kept it warm, and we watched it grow mold, and we weeded it out, and we... Um, you know, fed it again, and we, 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 you know, kept the good ones and took the bad ones, and we smelled it, mm -hmm. and it smelled like hot garbage and said, that's not going to mm -hmm. be good, and, and, and we just kind of played with it and saw what was going to be a good child and which was going to be a naughty child, and we blended the good kids, and we threw away the bad ones and just ended up with this wonderful yeast that we, uh, that we love, and, um, and go the, ahead. Well, I was say, to kind of put a little context to it so that you'll get an idea of what two-year-old right where two -year -old. she's at yeah, is that probably i would say 98 percent of the breweries in the world buy their yeast from a lab 98 percent. i would say when you say 95 percent 98 percent so they buy their least yeast from a lab like white labs or and there's you know there's a bunch of them now so um we've you know in the entire existence of our brewery we've never once bought yeast from a lab we've we've just always used what i consider to be true wild fermentation where we we grew our own yeast captured our own yeast so just to give you a little idea of of you know, so yeast is super important to you. You take your yeast very seriously. Yeah, I mean, because, it, it, yeah, it, without the yeast that we have, you know, we're in my mind, we're we're kind of just like any other brewery out there that makes barrel aged. Well, wild yeast gives beer. your yeast gives your product seventy five percent of its flavor, mm -hmm. so you can take a same. Let's say we have, uh, and this was something cool that they did at, at White Labs. If you ever go to White Labs in California, it was something neat that they did in their tap room. They would make a batch of beer, or I would say a batch of, of wort, mm -hmm. and they would have 
five different, you know, the same wort, five different barrels, we'll say buckets of it, okay? And they would inoculate it or pitch uh, five different kinds of yeast into each bucket. So five different buckets, five different yeast okay. into each bucket. And every bucket would taste different at the end when it was done fermenting. Even though it was the same wort, at the end, it would all taste different. That's how important yeast is in you're, your product. You're only talking four ingredients, right? You're talking water, you're talking barley, and you're talking hops, and the yeast will change the whole deal. So I, I have to back up a little bit, but what, what the heck is yeast? What is, is it a grain? Is it a, what is yeast? It's a single-celled microorganism. Yeah, it's all the little things Transport. that he was talking about. <laughs> it's all the little it's things hurts. that he was talking about it's in the beginning that was in that bucket. Yeah, it's floating around. It's, on, it's here, it's beard. on this it's microphone. In beard. It's, it's, it's in your beard. beard. Yeah. yeah. Okay, all right, this is awesome. Yeah, you got um, some wild yeast going on. So when, when we make bread at home, we go to the store, we get yeast. What What is that thing, what's it attached to? I mean, I'm buying something. I can see You're something in a bag. A lot of protein that it's attached to. Okay. You know, some, you know, to give it actual, like, okay. Body. Yeah. All right. Um, so, freaking out. I am freaking out. <laughs> I am freaking out. <laughs> I feel like I just heard yeah. about the coronavirus for the first time. Like, you're telling me it's everywhere? Wait, it's in everything I touch? See, now you know how I feel when I, you know, when I read the book and I had, you know, like, had my guru, a guru sitting down that you were able to ask all these questions. Mm -hmm. So you have a science nerd and you have someone that you can, you, I'm, I'm reading the Bible and I have Jesus that I can ask the questions to, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. that's how you feel and you just get all jazzed about it. So now, you know, that's how you, that's the feeling you get, you know, yeah, super really, jazzed. You get all tingly. The, the yeast is in charge and we're just basically creating an environment for the yeast to like sing its symphony or Are whatever you want to, you, however you want to make it sound. I, I don't know. We're, we're not made of yeast, but it's all over us. It it's is. all over everything. And, and the thing is that whether you're making bread or you're making beer or anything, it's taken, you know, centuries and centuries to isolate certain varieties of yeast for making bread and for making beer. And what, you know, we do here to a smaller extent than, than what uh, they're doing at Adam is, is isolating yeasts that work for them. Um, because like I said, there's millions of them, you know, and how do you, fi how do you find that particular one that makes something that is in this glass right here that I want to well, drink? Well, I know I've moved on. <laughs> and I, I get you it now. I talking. see your bumper stickers over there, and it's it's A T O M. It's an atom. So atom, now right. now I get uh, it's all starting to make sense. Right. A T O M. But they're a bunch of nerds, but they're alright. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but really cool nerds. Cheers to that. I love it. Cheers Thank you for your nerdship. It's fantastic. All right, so uh, excellent beer. Absolutely. Your, uh, if if I remember where we left off to to go off on our little fun tangent there of my mind being blown with yeast, um, you you've learned all the mistakes, all of that kind of stuff, right? Is that where we where we left off at? Yeah. We were talking yes. about like what happens. I think the question was is, uh, you know, we talked about the the good way that wild fermentation can go. I think your question was like what happens when it goes the other way or the bad. Thank way. God Jeff's here. I think that, I think that, that Jeff. Yeah. Which Jeff? That one, I think, mm. I Jeff think Porn. There's too many Jeffs in this room. So something about that is it's the environment in which you you nurture that cell, or it's like it's like having a baby, or like having something that you take care of. It's like 
the environment that it lives in has a huge part to, to do with it, but it's also how you capture that, that wild yeast or that wild bacteria. Because there's also tons of bacteria in the air, Jeff. So that's a Which whole is other all thing. over you. Yeah, yeah. There's there's not just yeast. There's also tons of bacteria, and we like to we like to refer to it as just Stop microflora. <laughs> so when you when microflora, you talk about microflora, that's just wait, how we. I just heard the scream of goat. Is it time for another scream of goat question? It may be. <laughs> well, we thought that was you with the uh, the yeast and everything all over you. Now that, you're uh, really, uh, that was your internal screaming goat. Uh -huh. When you when you say the environment that you grow you, you grow yeast right is that mm -hmm. how big of an environment is it? if this thing is it like I'm picturing a it petri can, dish it can be any scale yeah. but it's just it's cleanliness temperature um, the medium that that yeast is is growing within it's it's everything it's how do you collect just it just like human beings living on the, the earth think about everything. a healthy environment Cotton you have swab, to have yeah. the right temperature. <laughs> And you have to have food, mm -hmm. and you have to have oxygen or gas, right? Everything has to have that. You have to have food, you have to have the right temperature, and you have to have the right gases. It it's should the be same, clean. It's the same okay. thing. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't yeah, necessarily, necessarily. It doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be clean, yeah. but you yeah. have to have some kind of food. You have to have some kind of temperature, and you have to have what some kind of eat? gas. So yeast has to have a temperature, a food. And a gas. Like sugar. 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 Well, that's what we want to feed it. Okay. Okay. Because we want to make alcohol. Okay. Right? Uh-huh. So if you're collecting yeast, right? So there are some basic things, right? So you, there's yeast all over you. So we take a sample off of you. I'm a baby beer. You're a baby I could beer. Be born into a beer. So we've I'm not yet. Here yet. <laughs> okay, so we've we've You're got so we've I'm isolated, a, let's say we've isolated forty <laughs> yeast samples off of your beard. Right. Well, now we want to make which beer. Which they have made beard beer. Yes, yes they have. <laughs> beard beer. So they've beer? also done other things for, where they got yeast from too. Other so body parts that yeast has come from. That of course, the porns know all about that. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so the, to simplify it even further, it's like so the yeast then has to make beer, right? So, but all yeast doesn't want to do what we want it to do, right? So we want it to a be able to eat sugar and create alcohol. We need it to survive a certain amount of alcohol, right? So there has to be a survivability, which not all yeast does. So all of a sudden, your 40 samples have just dropped to 20 because they can't get above 2%, right? And we want to get to at least four. Um, then we add other things <clears throat> to it that want to kill yeast. You know, hops are you know, known to kill stuff. That's the They're whole acidic. reason we put it in there. And a lot of yeast doesn't like hops because it, it, it kills them. Let's also make sure that we give it enough sugar because if we don't give it enough sugar, what does it start to do? Get it starts stressed to out. eat itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They start to eat their brothers and sisters and because little, when they have enough sugar, they'll start to multiply. They'll multiply and they'll multiply. Well, they multiply so much, if they don't have enough sugar to eat, they go, oh, shit, there's nothing to eat. They'll start to eat each other. And, uh, yep, so they're, they're little buggers. Right. So out of this the millions, millions of yeast that are out there trying to find the ones that make this. Beer. Beer. Cheers. It's a long Cheers. process. Let's have let's let's 
give our brains, my brain, a break. Let me ask a question about Shot goats. Go. <laughs> All right, goat talk. All right. Goats love goat beer. They do. Is that a fact? Well, at least the ones do behind goats love my house. Beer? I ain't going on the record. All right. The, the ones behind my house do. Um, <laughs> legend has it, goats discovered what berry? The blueberry, the coffee berry, the blackberry, or none of the above? Goats discovered this berry. None. Blueberry, coffee berry, blackberry, or none of... That's not a choice. I'm going to go with the coffee berry. I was going to go with dingleberry. No, is that a Chivon? No. No, that's Chivon. That's Chivon. That's the butter, right? That's the Chivon? Chris, you're showing that you own goats. It's coffee berry. Which I didn't even know was a thing. Uh, I know berry. because Juan Valdez on the label walks with a goat. Is it a goat or is it a donkey? And um, oh. and of course our producer, Mr. Valdez. <laughs> I, think a, I think it's a donkey. We'll go with Good goat. We'll go with goat for this, right? He, he was <laughs> exempt from that question. Yeah. I was just, I was like, was it a goat? Be so right. All right. Juan Valdez is really short. Sure. <laughs> I believe right. it was wait, a goat. Way to call her out. <laughs> I was like, I think it's a donkey. Did I mention I was a zookeeper? <laughs> <laughs> What's a wait, coffee berry, first off? Down. Did they have coffee berries at the zoo? What's that's a coffee where, berry? That's where the bean comes from. Nah. It comes it's from the, the tree. It's, it's, it's it comes seed. from the bush. It's nah. You, yeah. It's what you roast to make coffee. Yeah. Unbelievable. The pit of a, Do the we pit of a coffee berry is a coffee bean. <laughs> there is a bean. A bean's a berry? You're a bean. You're a Jeff bean. A berry and a bean are the same thing. No. Okay. No, the berry no, is the fruit. The bean is the pit, the seed. Ah. The seed. Wow. All right. God. All right. That checks out. You just <laughs> looked at me like you wanted to punch that me in the face. Yeah. Like, so no, that's just little confusion. Kids. And then if you feed that to a civet cat and you squeeze that. <laughs> so why do we think the goat discovered the coffee berry? Because goats are dope. Uh, because goats are browsers, which means that they eat from trees and bushes. And so I would imagine that the goat was browsing from a tree and ate a coffee bean and freaked the frig out. Mm. <laughs> Sounds like you're it. reading a textbook. I love it. <laughs> no offense. With all due respect. You got mad knowledge up in that head. <laughs> it's not all just hair. But just so, just so you know, I do not brew beer. I'm not a brewer. Okay. She's a zoologist. Yeah. Zoologist, she clearly. She brewed one batch and she absolutely I hated, hated it. it. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm not a brewer. You just love beer. Yeah, I love beer. I like, um, I'm a, a taster and a smeller. Um, that's where my, and the, and the yeast, obviously, the science-y part of it, but the brewing part of it is, that is not my jam at we all. We talked about this earlier. Just because you really love beer doesn't mean you have to be a brewer or right. own a brewery. Right, it's so much easier <laughs> you to can just you love can beer. Just, you can just enjoy it. Yeah, you yes. can just drink beer. I remember those days. Yeah. yeah those days. <laughs> Wait, so you know what? This happens a lot with people uh, when they're so into it. You don't, musicians who are out touring uh, forever end up hating music. And not, are, you, are you worried about that? Do you ever think like, oh my gosh, I'm so deep into this. I don't like it anymore. No. Okay. Well, no. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, yeah. It's more Let's like, not get crazy. Um, yeah. I'm so deep into this and my band sucks and I need to like, you Find know, a go new get band. a different job. Okay. Like, I like uh, that. I the That's nice. Go. It's, hard. <laughs> it's, 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 hard. it's a hard thing to, you know, it's a hard uh, truth right. to There's come to. There's also a good balance, though, because I'm good behind the bar mm -hmm. and with, you know, people, and then he's good not. Well, we, I mean, we could also, I mean, it sounds like Megan and I. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, the other side of it, too, and we were, we were talking about this and joking about it earlier this evening. 
you know, there's so much more that you do. Yeah, don't fool yourself. N- it's not a business. That has nothing to do with making. I mean, making, <laughs> owning and running a brewery, the making part, making beer part is probably the least thing that you spend time doing. There's so much more that goes on. So, you know, being around it all the time sometimes gets a little, uh, I don't you know, not, I wouldn't say it turns you off from beer, but it, it, it in my, and with our case, it's actually, um, you know, you get to the point where you're like, I just, I don't, I don't feel like beer right now. And it actually piques your interest to go and explore other avenues. So like uh, wine, especially with wild fermentation, yeah. the, the wine industry and wild fermentation kind of go really, really close hand in hand. So you start learning about how wines are made and characters of wine and things like that, because they're very close to the characters that you get out of uh out of wild fermentation or so what or you can really shows. gather from this is we just really like drinking. yeah it's really right. just drinking. Yeah. 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 whatsoever well, it's, it's, it's actually could, perfect you I put could, that because I, I've started going down the sake road yeah sake's the same way yeah sake. sake's the same way I right. could definitely attest to the wild fermentation and I'm not making wine but I'm making cider and cider's basically apple wine right um, but I've done trial tests where it's like I will use either cider yeast or English or uh, Scottish ale yeast or champagne yeast. Um, and then I will do side by sides with wild fermented cider. And it's like the wild fermented cider from what is going on on this farm and the, the yeast that's growing on the apple skins or whatever is going on on there. It's like the, the acid and the tannins and the flavor that's coming off of that wild fermented cider is just so much more like it has so much more character right well then and it, it feels like all those other uh ciders that have had yeast pitched on them it's they're so muted and the wild fermentation it's right. just like well, it's just it's got so much more character well sure and and i mean we could we could get off into the the whole realm of like what is true wild fermentation and what's not, right? So if you're looking at like what I consider to be true fermentation, where you're not, you're not necessarily pitching yeast, but right. you know either like where, where we grew our own yeast, or you could start getting off into spontaneous fermentation, and you could start blurring the line as spontaneous fermentation, wild fermentation, is it the same or whatnot? Right. But, so in true, in my mind, in true wild fermentation, uh, you've got multiple strains of yeast and bacteria that are actually fermenting your beer. Right. So, whereas if you're pitching yeast, now unless you're the brewer and you're blending different pitches that right. you've purchased, uh, you know, you've got one strain doing the job. Whereas in true wild fermentation, you could have 15 different yeast and bacteria fermenting your beer at the same time, creating this multiple layers of, of character in that beer. That's why, you know, like you said, I mean, it, it, to me, the depth of true wild fermented beer is unmatched. I mean, it's... Yeah, and you, it's like coming off of our, our apple press, there's just, uh, you know, uh, ultraviolet uh, pasteurization going on, so it's not even heat treated, so any yeast cells aren't really being damaged from or the bacteria cells most bacteria cells aren't even really being right. damaged from that just <clears throat> harmful ones sure and so it's like what's going into that cider is so alive and so raw and there's nothing being added to it yep. and what's coming out and the the end product is so amazing and it's so consistent it's yeah. been working really well for us for for years now yeah and it's like 
we we don't have any reason to change it. Yeah, and that's a, it's that's, been working so well. Yeah, and that's kind of the cool thing with wild fermentation too. Is you know, on the surface you hear wild fermentation and you think that the results are ultimately going to be all over the place, but it actually can be very clean and consistent yeah. if you. Uh, Somebody's always telling it, right? Well, sure, yeah, you're right. I mean, you may throw throw 20 strains in the pool, but there's always going to be somebody that comes out that's more dominant, right? Well, that's why I like to do these, uh, the the Cool Ship beers, because they're different every single time that I brew them. And they're only brewed, like I only brew them, uh, let's see, that has a blend of one that I did uh, early spring, late winter, and blended with uh, late summer, early fall. So it's like a blend of, it's like seven and 13 month old. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just all what's blowing around. I, and I, I like to call it spontaneously inoculating. Well, I mean, I mean, that's, and, like you know, I inoculate it in the cool ship. It sits there or, or uh, and it sits there overnight. And then I put it in uh, in barrels and kind of let it do its thing. Yeah, sure. I Freshly mean, empty barrels. They right. already had the same exact beer in there, so right. it's like okay. So we got that one there. So it's already there's already food with all that dead that's in there. And this beer tastes like weed. <laughs> no, put that joint down. <laughs> no, that's straight home. No strangers. You're drinking. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, without really coming out and saying it, I mean, I, I think the general, I think the general thing that we've at least been insinuating to this point is mm-hmm. when we talk about wild fermentation is that we're pitching yeast, mm-hmm. right? So then you start going off into the realm of spontaneous fermentation, which is what mm-hmm. you're talking about, yep. which is probably the truest form of wild fermentation. I like Belgian beers. Yeah, which is <laughs> which is, you know, spontaneous fermentation. You're not you're not physically pitching yeast at all. You're just letting nature take its course, and then the process and how you brew a spontaneous beer, you're, you, the way you let the beer cool, you're just pulling yeast in from the air, and you hope that, you know, you hope that you get something good out of it, you know. Yeah. So, so just, just quick, just explain what a cool ship is. Well, so yes. yeah, all right. So I was say so, you want the four-year-old. Yeah, so a, a two, two, two. So a cool two, ship yeah. is really just a, a large, shallow vessel. Okay, so, you know, you've obviously been in breweries before. I mean, you could turn around and see the tanks back there. I mean, those, are, those aren't necessarily, but you, you know what a typical fermentation vessel looks like, right? right. So a, a... It looks like that, actually. Yeah, it looks like a bottle, pretty much, upside <laughs> down. <laughs> upside down. There's a line drawing on there. Yeah, so it's, a cool ship is just a, a wide, shallow vessel. And the, the process for brewing spontaneous beer is you go through the exact same steps that you would to make any other beer, except where you would normally take beer from boiling, cool it down to, you know, somewhere mm-hmm. under 75 or so or under mm-hmm. 70, put it into a fermenter and pitch yeast. For spontaneous beer, you take it directly from boiling, move it into the cool ship, and then you let it sit overnight and just let it naturally mm-hmm. cool itself. Outside. So it yeah. outside, typically outside. And, and while spelling it, can be so confusing. This well, is the, the German spelling. That's, that's, or the, that's the, the proper way. That's, that's the proper way. Yeah. So it's, My last name is yeah. Veltman, so I, yeah. I don't know. So, but I'm also, typically, or I'm also tired. Let me ask you this. I'm also tired. Maximize uh, yeah, the surface area. area. Yeah. Right, right. And you, so it's and so in, typically it's outside or it's in a building mm-hmm. where you're pulling air from inside, outside, inside, mm-hmm. and you just let it naturally cool overnight. And then you take that, you take that wort, it's still technically wort at that point, put it into a barrel or some sort of vessel, typically a barrel, and you just let it sit. And you hope yeah, you that... Fingers within, crossed. <laughs> yeah, you keep your fingers crossed that sometime within the next, like, seven to ten mm-hmm. days, you start to see active fermentation mm-hmm. in that barrel. 
and then you wait another four or five months before you even yeah before you taste even it sample yeah because you you know because you could get bad bacteria in there that we were talking about before and you could taste it in a month or two and you know and then you're sitting on the shit that could all shut that. you down. As a as a brewery, that well, like, if you tried to serve something, yeah, yeah, sure. well, yeah. no, yeah. I just yeah, mean we, in general, like do that. You've yeah. invested all this space and energy and time into something, and if that whole batch is gone, it, maybe you don't have anything to serve, right? Well, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, I you mean, could really mess up. Yeah. I mean, sure. if you're banking your entire <laughs> brewery on a cool ship beer. Probably not the best That's business That's not the best plan. business well, I think, decision you've ever made. I think, uh, I think Cantillon really and, and I think I think Cantillon and Dre Fontaine, yeah. a, a few breweries in Belgium that have been doing that for a few, uh, you know, uh, what over a thousand. Yeah, but years. I, so they're, yeah, but they're, I think they're very they confident in what they're doing. Practice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but but I mean, you say that, but think about us, right? Um, so our our brewery is 100 percent wood. We have no stainless vessels at all. So our beer goes from the our beer goes from the copper vessels that we have for brewing it straight into some sort of wood vessel, and it spends its entire life in a wooden vessel. Until I've we never brew. heard of a brewery doing. I mean, obviously, I'm outside of you guys are impressed by that. Those of you that are in the industry, but I've never seen that. I've never heard of that. It's, that it's not popular because you you run a huge risk of dumping a lot of beer, like because of the the not only maybe your fermentation goes bad, but you got a bad batch of barrels because wooden barrels are porous and you don't know what's in there. You don't necessarily know how they were treated by the winery you got them from or something like that. So you're rolling the dice every yeah. time you brew a batch of beer, whereas you put it in a stainless tank, obviously stainless, you can sanitize, you can clean it, you make sure it's good, where you can't sanitize a barrel. You can steam it, you know, all you want, but you're really never going to sanitize a barrel. That's just like, that's the most like hardcore and like honest and amazing way to do what you do too. It's like the purest way to do it, like the most honest way to do well, it. Well, if you like, think about it too, that's it's how the most you- respectable way uh, Coming from the, being in within the industry, it's just like the way that that these guys are doing it. It's just like bow down to that. That's it, the coolest and the most like respectable. Like DJs that still we, spend vinyl. You guys there are doing go. it. You guys uh, are keeping it real. Right, did we also mention? Did we also? Did we also mention that we brew over open wood fire? Yeah. <laughs> Keeping it real. Like, <laughs> Can I God go back to bless. something uh, that you had, uh, you had said, Scott, that, yeah. that brought up this question? So you said what you love about the cool ship is that it's different every time. Yes. If you have a batch that you absolutely love, can you recreate that? Can I you- cannot. So what I'll do is, because uh, I have such a small system, I'll, I'll, I usually do in 53-gallon barrels. So I'll, I'll fill up two of those, and I'll keep one of those barrels, and I'll use it for blending because when you when you make a, a beer like this, you have you have to you, you're basically blending. You're just you'll take a little bit from this barrel, that barrel, and you kind of like make something. But if you have like one that's really prima, like I said, I have the two barrels, so I just keep the one, and see how that evolves over time. And maybe that thing is going to be dynamite in like five years. You could cheat with yeast, though. I don't want to do that. I know, we're but, gonna but we're gonna I'm wrap saying, up this episode. You guys are Hold on. It real. I know, but I'm I want to talk about yes. cheating with yeast. Yeah, you could cheat. With I want to. Yeah. We've barely touched the tip of the iceberg on this one, um, but I want to. I want to keep these episodes at about an hour because yeah. I know what my attention span is, uh, and we want we want to keep educating people and go. You can stay for another episode or 
a third one of, of this wild fermentation conversation with, right? Is everybody on board with oh, that? Absolutely. We're yeah, yeah. We have nowhere to go. Wait, we're doing three? Because we I don't know. I don't know. Look, at, <laughs> we, we barely right touched now. the we tip of the... We don't have a hotel room, so yeah. I guess we, we're uh, sleeping here. We have more beer. Yeah, yeah, right. There's going to be more beer. We're going to be fine. These are fantastic guests that we have. Chris and Jeff, Adam Adam Farm and Fermentation, Indian Ladder Farms, Agricultural Acts... This is this is good for uh, for this. We'll, we're going to part two for the next episode. Excellent. You've been listening to Indian Ladder Farms Cidery and Brewery owner operator Dieter Gary, its head brewer Scott Veltman, and its head cider maker Alex Gill. The producers and engineers are Troy Pohl and Ian Carlton. Any questions, comments, thoughts, or suggestions can be directed to podcastilf at gmail.com. That's podcastilf at gmail.com. I'm Jeff Morad. Thanks for listening. See ya!